Welcome to the Sports Innovation Institute podcast, located inside the School of Health and Human Sciences at IUPUI in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm your host, Travis Smith, a proud sport management alum, adjunct faculty member, and associate editor of the Sports Innovation Journal here at IUPUI. On this podcast, we look to highlight the innovative practitioners and scholars in sports to learn and design Think the Future of the Industry together. Thanks for listening to the Sports Innovation Institute podcast. Thanks for being on the IUPUI Sports Innovation Institute podcast. Today, I am joined by our co-authors of one of our accepted articles called Innovating Youth Tournament Schedules to Minimize School Absenteeism, an Exploratory Study. I'm joined by Dr. Chris Chard, professor in the Department of Sport Management at Brock University, and Daniel Wigfield, PhD candidate at the University of Waterloo. So thank you, gentlemen, for both being on the podcast. Let's start it with really just asking if you can summarize what the problem is you were trying to solve with the study and maybe even start with the conversation that was had in the car heading to a tournament that seemed to really spark this whole paper. Sure, I'll, I'll jump on that one. So, I mean, the genesis, I have two, two boys who have played hockey, rep hockey, you know, for their whole lives. And um, you know, basically, you know, we were lucky to be part of a really good organization and sort of our expectation was always that we were going to be playing Friday, Saturday, and then, you know, hopefully for a championship on, on Sunday. And so, you know, when we were, um, you know, you get to spend a lot of time with your, with your kids and, and your, your colleagues and friends. So I was driving to this tournament with my, my friend, Devin Smith, who's, uh, with the NHLPA. And I remember, our, you know, kids were in the back and, and Devo just said, Hey, listen, you know, at least we have a chance to win this. Imagine being one of those teams that, you know, you know, you're not going to be playing on Sunday. And it just sort of, that's kind of genesis of the study. It's, it's sparked. And I was like, hmm, I wonder how big of, of an issue this really is. Like anecdotally, it's like, yeah, we all miss school on Friday to, to go play in tournaments, but you know, is, is it a big deal or not? So that was the genesis of it. And we just started, uh, you know, I touched base with Dan and, and we just started digging up the numbers just to sort of start scratching at it a little bit to see what the issue was. And you know, we, we were sort of blown away by how big the, uh, you know, the numbers were when it all sort of shook out. So for us, we're kind of off the beaten path, so to speak. And so if we were going away to tournaments and stuff, like you're guaranteed to miss school every Friday to go up towards Toronto because that's a four-hour drive in and of itself. And uh, when I started thinking about when Chris presented the idea, it was more of like, yeah, no, that my parents were always taking off. One of them was always at least taking off work and then you're always missing school. So like, and thinking back over 10 years, like that's a lot of school days and work days missed for hockey. Yeah. Do you think that there was just not much thought put into how these tournaments are scheduled or it just seemed kind of as the accepted and traditional norm that people just didn't think to change um, because hockey is such a popular sport there is maybe ingrained in the culture well for a lot of it has a lot of it has to do is like what I would say would be with like the just a traditional way of doing things like a lot of these minor hockey organizations that put on these tournaments they're run by volunteers and they're however many years old and that's just how they do it you know you have to start on Friday and get on get out of there by Sunday and a lot of it has to do with the ice time availability and it's just never it never like at least popped into my mind I'm sure it's never popped into the minds of many organizers hmm I wonder if like we could change this up and like 
what would what would be the response if we did uh, Saturday through Monday type of thing? Unfortunately, for like the more elite levels, it's going the other way where like tournaments are starting on Thursday now. So now you're missing potentially two or one and a half days of the school. Yeah, listen, if I, if I jump in, I, I just think, you know, to, to your question, Travis, I think honestly, it's just the way things have always been done. I mean, you know, tournaments started on Friday and they went through to Sunday and that was just the way it, it always was. And I think that's not just a hockey thing. I think that's, you know, every sport. And, you know, you rewind the clock a little bit and it was, well, you know, casual Friday, everything Friday was just more of a relaxed day. And I think the idea of missing a Friday was, was less of an issue than missing a Monday, you know, when Monday was the start of the work week. Right. And, you know, I think that maybe it's just something culturally that, that we've kind of gotten used to, but the reality is, I don't know, there's no difference between a Monday and a Friday in my job. So, you know, there's no difference really in, in, in many people's roles. Um, so really the, the days shouldn't matter. It's just, you know, it's just the way things have always been done. Yeah, and that kind of leads into the the purposes of the study list in the paper. You had a couple of purposes. So one, it seems like you really wanted to explore uh, to what extent the participation in elite youth hockey uh, resulted in avoidable absences. But what was kind of the second purpose as kind of uh, what you guys were trying to help uh, with this paper? Well, I guess like we, we needed to sort of do purpose number one to see if there was even an issue. If it turned out that there was only 25 school days missed, then, you know, quite frankly, no harm, no foul, right? But where we sort of came into thinking, well, geez, like if there's a problem, I mean, you know, part of, I think, our job and, and you know, as, you know, as innovators in, in sport, we're sitting there saying, well, what's the solution? Is Are there any workarounds that we can help to make this better? If there's an issue, let's see if we can make it better. And and again, I, I got to go back to that original conversation with Devo in the car, and, and he just sort of said, huh, I wonder why, you know, it was just off the cuff. I wonder why I don't do this Saturday to Monday. And you caught it again. You're like, oh, well, maybe, you know, is there any, are there, is there any meat on that bone? So let's start digging. And again, so the second purpose was like, given the fact that the first purpose you know, produced a, you know, that there's lots of kids missing school on Friday, then secondly, well, let's see if, if we flipped it, how would that change? And, you know, that's where we came up with the, you know, the relatively large number that, you know, lots of, of uh, avoidable school days uh, could be mitigated if, if you just flip the, the day of the tournament back by one. Yeah. And what was, um, so the, the idea, I think in the paper, it says, uh, goal was to move the tournament schedule Saturday to Monday, as you mentioned. Uh, so is the, is the idea that more team, less teams would be playing on that Monday because the tournament would be kind of going in? Is that like why there'd be so many less absences based on moving it to Saturday, Monday? Is that correct? Well, yeah, yes. Cause uh, like a traditional tournament, um, like from a uh, Friday to Sunday, you start your round robin play on Friday and then you can finish, you continue it on Saturday. And then ultimately, like if you're, if you make the playoff round, so whether it's semifinals or finals, there's only a couple teams left on the Sunday, but everyone essentially had to miss Friday school because the round robin started then. If you started on the, on the Saturday, um, kids can complete their school day. They go to the tournament, they start the Saturday, they start the Saturday. And then ultimately it's the two or four teams that are staying the Monday. So the right there, you mit you mitigate a lot of school days missed. Yeah. 
and I think mentioned in the paper, although I know it's not the intended purpose, was how innovative thinking remains slow or is often opposed in tradition-bounded industries such as sport. Is that go back to your uh, you guys' answer about just that's the way it's always been done, or why is that, and what is the barrier that maybe uh, as sport administrators or youth sports specifically, how do we just get by that, and how can we actually put innovative uh, solutions into practice? Well, listen, I'll jump in. I, I mean, I guess I would say tradition-bound industries, like people don't like change, right? I think in, inherently as human beings, we all sit and say, ah, you know what, if yeah, it's, it's okay. It's going okay. And so I would say on one level, I, I would be surprised if the, the magnitude of this challenge, people even know, like I, you know, I think we say in the paper anecdotally, it's like, yeah, you missed Friday. Well, but when you add that up by myriad teams over multiple tournaments, you know, we, we only did a sample as well of a hundred of the 300 tournaments that ran. Right. So like, you know, and this is just, just hockey in one province. I mean, when you, you extrapolate this out, it's a massive number, but that I probably don't even think people will even recognize is, is a big number, right? So, you know, it's, this isn't, again, it's not a hockey specific thing where we're, we're you know, we, we love the game, we love the sport, right? And I just think, you know, we're looking to sort of tweak it to make it, it better. Volunteer-based organizations, it's run a certain way forever. You, you know, it's, it's, in all likelihood, there's an Excel spreadsheet that has a tournament schedule and you know, you just sort of cut and paste and roll it forward year over year because, you know, why recre recreate the, the wheel? So it's, you know, the, the challenge is, is to sort of get people to think a little bit outside the box and say, okay, you know what? Hey, what if we did move it to, to Saturday, Sunday, and Monday tournaments? Like, what would be the impact? Well, on a school impact, it would be great. You know, would the hotel people care? Probably not. I don't know. Would the ice scheduling people care if they're you know, they're, they're filling up their sheets of ice on Mondays now for final games instead of Fridays. I don't know. It's, it seems in many ways to be a wash, but it's just a matter of, I think, getting the information out there that, hey, you know what, this may be a very simple change to make a very big impact. And we said, we say in the paper there that like youth sport organizations or like just sport organizations in general are open to change are open to change, but it's usually more of like the process line. So maybe it's stuff like going to online registration or um, like streamlining certain things to free up time for the volunteers that typically run the organization. So, but taking that step to change, like some of these tournaments have been going on forever and to change like what they feel is a fundamental thing, the scheduling is a very, could be very difficult and like uncomfortable thing to do. Hey listeners, a quick message and then we'll get right back to the interview. I wanted to quickly tell you that the Sports Innovation Journal is now accepting submissions. If you have or are looking for a place to publish your innovative thoughts and studies on the sports industry, then please consider the Sports Innovation Journal. We are an open access journal and our target audience is the practitioner looking for answers to the questions and problems in their job and we want to attract and publish researchers that are identifying and studying those questions and problems. If you are interested in learning more about the journal and wanting to submit or sign up to be a reviewer, then visit the link in the episode notes or email Dr. David Pierce, the editor and director of the Sports Innovation Institute at dpierce3 at iupui.edu. dpierce3 at iupui.edu. Now let's get back to the interview. Yeah, and I think the one thing that 
the audience might not be aware of is just how big the Ontario Hockey Federation is. Uh, you have 300 tournaments. Uh, did that sort of make it the perfect setting for this particular study so that you could have so much access to data? Uh, for sure. So the Ontario Hockey Federation is like the biggest provincial, um, biggest provincial governing body in under the Hockey Canada umbrella. And it covers a huge part of the province. And a thing that we should note is like, it doesn't, we didn't, we only sliced it off at boys hockey. Like there's still a whole division of girls hockey that wasn't covered. So the number's even bigger. You talk about moving things into a spreadsheet and schedules. Can you kind of talk about the, the methodology and then also how you collected and analyzed the data? So what data did you get it? How did you get it? And then really, how did you kind of formulate uh, this whole search process and uh, research process? One of the things I was just going to piggyback on what Dan was saying from the last question, and then go into this one. I mean, the reality is maybe this study 20 years ago, we probably couldn't even have done it because access to information was so much um, less readily available, right? So the beauty now is, you know, the internet's this great equalizer. So most tournaments post up their schedules. So, you know, we just, it was a very labor intensive uh, and manual process, but we would go on and, you know, we'd punch up a tournament and you know, we would then go into each division. You basically, you copy and paste out the divisions and you paste it into an Excel spreadsheet. And then, you know, like the example that we have in the paper, you know, this is just one division of a tournament, but you then, you basically do it at the back end where you get the results. And so you can see, well, you know, team A played team B on, on Friday and then team C played team B on Friday and you could scroll through and then you can basically see like, you know, a very exemplar, maybe eight teams started out. They played the round robin games on Friday, Saturday, and, you know, four of them went on to the semifinals on Sunday. So you do that for every single tournament and every single division within the tournament and every single, <laughs> excuse me, level within triple, double and single. And, you, you know, you just end up with this massive Excel spreadsheet that you're, you know, you're, you're managing that's got all, all the data in it. So where we didn't sort of make a specific cutoff to say, hey, these are the hundred tournaments we want to do. Like some of it chose itself because these were the hundred tournaments that seemed to best convey um, their websites had the most, you know, informative information, right? There's some other tournaments was like, ah, I don't know. The, I couldn't tell who played on Friday. Dan couldn't tell who played Saturday, Sunday. So, right. you know, they, they, some of them just didn't make the cut in the term because we just didn't, their information wasn't as readily available. Or another thing, and this just goes with like a thing with like uh, community sport organizations is like halfway through the tournament, like the scheduling update would stop for whatever reason. Like, so they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have complete results posted. So you could see up to what happened on Saturday afternoon, but then that was it. So we couldn't use them. So let's take the, this isn't really a spoiler, but the, the number of uh, avoidable missed classes, uh, can you guys share with us, uh, and it's obviously in the paper, but how many avoidable absences were actually found in your study? Well, I got the, the, the chart here. I mean, basically on the sample of 100 tournaments, we had 2,510 teams that played Fridays and did not advance to play on Sunday. So we'll sort of have these avoidable school absences, which then extrapolates out if there's 50, uh, 17 kids on a team to 42,670 days um, that were, you know, avoidably missed by just, you know, if we push the schedule back by one day. Yeah, that number is just incredible. When I read it, it really stuck out. And I think, I think those listening and, and then reading the paper will be kind of amazed to see just how avoidable this is. And that it almost makes 
you think, why wouldn't we try to move the schedule around? Um, because it just makes so much sense once you actually see the data. Yeah, listen, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, listen, there's, there's certain um, business processes where you look and say, well, it's a cost of doing business. You know, in order for us to do X, we have to do Y. So like in a different world, hey, listen, if we want to be able to have hockey tournaments, kids have to miss school on Fridays. Well, if, if it was that absolute, then we would sit here and say, geez, this is just a, a big number that is the cost of doing business. But to your point, Travis, I mean, the reality is, again, if you move it back one day, it's, it doesn't have to be the cost of doing business. It's, it's more just this innovation. It's a new way of thinking. And you know, that's the interesting thing about the study, right? Like, you know, I go back to your innovation question. I mean, you know, I, I laugh because at class, I often talk about, you know, sports, um, the growth of sports. And I remember in, in, you know, in the late seventies and, you know, the first all sports TV station came out and people were like, what, who's going to watch sports all day. Right. And, and you look at it now, it's almost laughable with all the content that's out there. Right. And you can get outside of sports and someone would be like, say, what, you're going to call a stranger to come and pick you up in a taxi cab. Like that's crazy. Right. And, but Uber has revolutionized it's just a different way of thinking. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not sitting here professing that Dan and I and, and Luke have created the, the next Uber, but you know, so innovations don't have, you know, don't have to be massive, massive things. It could be just a small tweak and this small tweak, innovative scheduling, you know, could save a lot of school days and a lot of work days. Cause let's, you know, we haven't even, we didn't even talk about that in the paper, but it's a natural extension for us to cover off, you know, in a future paper is, you know, how many work days are, are missed? What's the impact on the GDP with people taking holidays or <laughs> just skipping, skipping work to go to their, their kids' hockey tournament? Yeah, I was gonna, I was actually thinking about that exact point that you just ended on as a, as a working parent myself of two young boys. I was just thinking here in the States, you know, we have youth sports is just as incredibly uh, popular here uh, kind of spread out against multiple sports, but I don't know how you can just miss work so much to go to tournaments. And, and yes, you'd have the economic impact of the hosting area, but right. you're not asking about shrinking the economy there because the, you're just moving the dates. And so I did think uh, that's a great study to see how many parents are actually using uh, PTO, like paid time off or taking unpaid time off just to go to these tournaments. And so uh, that I think is a natural extension for uh, for either you all or or maybe someone else that uh, gets inspired from reading the the paper. And I did have a question as far as uh, we mentioned that you only studied the boys uh, tournaments. Do you get the impression? Obviously, you didn't run the numbers, but uh, being from there, you probably have an idea. Is the girls' tournament structure very similar? as far as how they structure tournaments so that maybe one would assume that it is uh, kind of just as prevalent that they're missing all these, all these classes. I would, I would say yes. Um, it, it's very, they they run very similarly, but the other thing too is like one of like the most popular and like fastest growing sports up here is uh, girls hockey. So there's potential, like, there's potential for that number to be bigger. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You know, Travis, actually the interesting thing, you know, the girls hockey system is quite tournament based. So, you know, and I can only, this is, would be anecdotal for me, but I would say, you know, I have friends whose daughters play, 
play hockey. And, and whereas boys, you might do three. When I was with the, you know, the different minor hockey organizations, we would technically do three tournaments. And then, you know, you could get a fourth if you put in an application to sort of override. And then, you know, you'd have, you know, championship weekends and stuff. But a lot of the girls teams will do six, seven, eight tournaments in a, uh, in a season. So it seems like they're a little bit even more tournament based. So yeah, their number could be, you know, on a per player basis. I think the absolute number, just because there's more boys playing, I think might still be higher for, for the boys side, but on a per player basis, I think the girl, it could be hugely impactful on the girls side. So one thing I was thinking is, you know, a lot of this podcast is geared towards practitioners and as far as the audience, uh, we want them to actually put this in motion. So uh, Dr. Chard, I'll kind of leave this one to you uh, to start off is if you could choose who listens to this that can make uh, actionable changes, whether it's hockey or, or just any huge sport, who are we targeting this to, to who are the decision makers? Well, I, I would think, I mean, I don't think this is a top down, like a hockey candidate initiative coming down to the OHF and, and down. I, I think it's kind of a grassroots. It's a bottom up, I believe. And I think, you know, I think the message here is to, you know, CSO, different community sport organization presidents and, you know, maybe, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be hockey. It could be volleyball, basketball, it, it could be, you know, any of the sports, but I think that's really the message to, uh, I think that's the target audience for them to say, you know, again, huh. I never thought of this. I mean, this isn't, and this isn't a judgment. It's, I, I hadn't thought of it until Devo just sort of threw it out there. And I'm like, hmm, that's actually an interesting idea, right? So, you know, I think the, that's the, the, the audience. And, and I think another natural next study then is to do a qualitative study, you know, interviewing some of these presidents and saying, hey, you know, in light of this paper, what do you foresee as some of the challenges for implementing such a change? And, or see, maybe have, have a few organizations do the changes, hey, in a, in a retrospective, what do you think? Like, would you go back to the old way of doing things and why and, or are you guys pretty committed to this change? So I think that's the audience. It's these presidents of the, the community sport organizations. Uh, when I was reading this, cause I work in college athletics and one thing we always hear about in March madness, obviously we didn't have one this year with uh, COVID-19, but uh, college basketball season in general for men's and women's, Run, is one of the only sports that actually runs into multiple semesters in college here in the uh, United States. And there's always talk about missed class time and why we should uh, push uh, men's, men and women's basketball into a one semester sport. And so that they'd have a lot less missed class time spilling into multiple semesters. So it's always on my mind of these missed classes. So I really enjoyed the paper. The, I guess the final thing, I'll ask is what is kind of your both your research interests moving forward? Is there any uh, projects uh, that you're you're looking to get at this year that uh, maybe we can and promote the idea a little bit here? Well, for well for me, I, I I'm in the process of collecting data for my dissertation, um, and I've. I'm basically looking at uh, a newer, I'm working with a newer hockey organization in, uh, in Southern Ontario here and just kind of understanding how they're building their institution. Um, they're doing it a little different way from the traditional like model that's been put forward by Hockey Canada. So looking at how they, how you build an institution at the grassroots level and like the challenges of that is what I'm focused on in the, moment 
Sounds innovative. Yes, they are. I'm sure they would love to hear that they were innovative thinkers. That's right. Maybe it may be a fit for the journal. But, you know, I would say two things, Travis, for me personally. I mean, I'm doing a lot of stuff on, uh, on resource allocation and, you know, where organizations best utilize their, their resources and specifically in terms of prioritization is kind of, you know, n not everything's created equally, right? So I'd like to, you know, that's where I, my kind of research is, is going. And a lot of my focus is on, you know, youth sports or amateur sports. So I've done a lot of stuff on, you know, the intercollegiate space up here in Canada. So, you know, I certainly would like to, to continue with that. But you know, I want to just go back one second to, to something you'd mentioned before. You know, I think as we close out this last study, one of the interesting things, like we all assume anecdotally that, you know, a change may be just for these school days, which absolutely is a factor. But, you know, we make an assumption. I don't know, it'd be interesting maybe to inter interview hotel operators and say, I don't know, would, would you like to have more people staying in your hotels on Sunday night versus Friday, which is a more of a dead night, or restaurant owners, right? Like I would have to make an assumption or a best guess that, you know, even without a tournament, a lot of restaurants would be busy on a Friday night right? They don't, they may not need as much extra business on a Friday. Now on a Sunday, it may be quieter anyway, but now let's say you have a whole bunch of people staying in a, in a town they need to eat. So, you know, sometimes I think some of these things we sort of take at, you know, anecdotally, they need a little research to sort of dig in and, and see, you know, what can be innovative, right? Yeah, that's an incredible point. In college, uh, uh, I actually worked at a hotel in downtown Indianapolis, and you could tell that there's certain days that they actually need people to stay there. And I think you hit it right on the head is, is uh, that'd be an incredible idea to actually bring in the community of businesses as well to kind of see what would be economically uh, the best for everyone involved. And, and all that information being sent to the decision makers could make, you know, trying something new a little less scary, I think, in my opinion. Yeah. Hey, I totally agree. Totally agree. And it's interesting because you've walked in the shoes, right? You've seen it. And you've mentioned like college sports down in the States is huge sports in the States. I mean, I love that. I go and visit our friends in the States and, you know, we went to their little town and they had on a Friday night, they had a huge basketball game and we watched the girls JV team play. And there was, you know, 300 people in the, in the gymnasium. I was like, man, this is, this is amazing. Like it's such an awesome sports culture in the States. And, you know, we have a great sports culture up here as well in Canada. So I think, you know, just to be able to sort of put these pieces together and help to run it. What the last thing, the very last thing that Dan, Luke, and I would ever want to want to profess and influence is that we're not asking or professing to reduce these sport experiences in a million years. Like, there's such value in it. We all did them as kids, and the sporting experience is 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 incredible and incredibly valuable for kids in their learning environment, their learning education, and their experiential education. Right. So what we would always want to be crystal clear, we love tournaments. We love the fact that they're competitive. We love the fact that, you know, there's winners and losers. And we love the fact that they, they, so many kids get to take part in them. What we would like is that maybe if, if all things being equal, if you could make a move and they don't have to miss school, why do it? I appreciate it. Um, I think uh, our, our readers and our listeners are really going to enjoy the paper. And uh, for those listening, the paper is, here in the show notes uh, so you can download it. And I really just want to thank you both for being on the IUPUI Sports Innovation Institute podcast.